Hello and welcome to the Hales Owen Apostolic Church. Apostolic meaning what God says, not what man thinks. Please enjoy this teaching and if you want more, visit the website at halesowenapostolicchurch.org. morning church. Oh, I can hear it now, Ben. Thanks. Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee thus will I bless thee while I live I will lift up my hands in thy name my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice my soul followeth hard after thee thy right hand upholdeth me so how many of us here then have been saved we've all repented We've all been saved, baptized. We've all been filled with the Spirit. Can we all remember that, that first day, that moment when you came back out of that baptism tank? Your life, as Ben said this morning, was free. We were free. Yeah? How many people have we seen? Have we seen go through that same experience as us? And yet, we don't see them no more. What happens? Do we feel that love for Christ when we came out of that tank? If you take, take yourselves back into that memory and think how you felt then. Is that love still there now this morning? That same way you felt when you were filled with that spirit? Or is it stronger? I, I pray that it is. Yeah. We was talking a few weeks ago, myself and Matt and Ben, how many people we've seen go on an Alpha course and they've stuck with it to the end, got baptised, filled with the Spirit, and then we don't see them no more. Some of them, yes, they've gone on and walked their own walk and they're still going. Others just fell away completely. So this morning, I want to talk to you about reigniting your passion for God. If you've got passion for God, as a lot of us have, Oh, God will give you more. And more and more. The creative force behind all great art, music, even football teams, is passion. Nothing great is ever accomplished in life without it. Nothing at all. Nothing is ever sustained. Passion energises our lives. Passion energises our lives, it, marks, it makes the impossible 
possible. Passion gives you a reason to get up in the morning. And without passion, life will seem boring. It becomes monotonous. It becomes routine, dull even. Well, God created you with the emotions to have passion in your life. And he wants you to live a passionate life for one another, for your families, but most of all for God. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go where no man has been before. And passion is what it takes for a good athlete to become a great athlete. You have to have a passion in your life. Jesus said, I want you to love me with all of your heart. Not a tiny bit. Not a tiny bit because it's Bible study night or a little bit because it's church on a Sunday. With all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, give it everything. Give it everything. When you first get into a relationship, you, you, you have them butterflies in your stomach because you, you can't wait to meet that person again and show them the passion, the love. That's what God wants us to have for him. I want you to love me passionately. God doesn't want you to love him half-heartedly. All your heart, all your soul, all of your mind and your strength. Passion in Greek is heart. So God is saying, put some effort in, some energy, put some emotion into your relationship with me. Love me passionately. In Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As unto the Lord, not unto men. Everything passionately, loving me, living for me. And here's the amazing thing. It's okay then to be passionate about anything else except God. That is not politically correct. You can be passionate about movies, going to the cinema, fashion, sports teams. Anybody? We all, well, a lot of us, we do. We like our football. <laughs> and sometimes the villa. And the villa. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, we can go to a festival you can shout your mouth off and football games as much as you want what, what do you get? he's a passionate fan he loves the football, he loves that team he loves it until you lose your voice you shout until you lose your voice you can cry when they lose you're different when they win you jump around, dance, singing what do others say? He's a true fan. If you do that in church, people say, he's a nutter. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. hallelujah. I was waiting for that one. Thank you. He's a fanatic. A nutcase. You don't want to go around too emotional about your faith. Anything else is okay. But not your faith. Hello? No, 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 no. Romans twelve eleven. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. Not slothful in business, 
fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent, boiling over. Now this is not automatic. It's not, it is a choice. It's a discipline. And it's something you must maintain. You are not by nature passionate about God. It's something that you must choose to do. You get distracted. Everything in life conspires to keep you from being passionate about God. When you first become a believer, you really understand what a good deal you have. You do get excited about it. Remember when you were saved first, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. This was a big deal for us. All my sins are forgiven. I now have a purpose for living, a future home in heaven. You do get excited and passionate that you want to tell others. We all do. And we all did. But as time goes by, you begin to lose your steam, your zest, your enthusiasm. So what happens? Why does that happen? What kills that passion? An unbalanced schedule. That means either if you're overworked or underworked, you will lose your passion for life and for God. Life is a series of seasons. And the Bible tells us there is a season for everything. There is a rhythm to your life. You need both input and output. Both work and rest. And too much of either will cause you to lose your passion. Too much of doing nothing, get bored. You get bored. We are like that. Especially me. I don't know when to stop. Do I live? <laughs> Psalm 127.2 it, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. For some of us, we are always giving out. We are always helping, sharing and serving the Lord. Always working, never take time to recharge. If you never take time to recharge, you will be unbalanced. Then you will get compassion fatigue. You don't care anymore. You don't care about God or anyone, anything or anyone else. Why? Because you are burning out. For others, it is total opposite. You're always taking in, but never giving out. You will go to Bible study, listen, listen on the radio to sermons, even go to seminars. You come to church all the time. You're always learning, always taking in, always growing in the input, but not giving anything out. We are getting fat on the word. Have we got any of these problems today? here at church. Bible study without ministry is dangerous. James 2.17 Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone. Unused talent. An unused talent will cause you to lose your passion for life, your passion for God. In 1 Peter 4.10 as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another 
as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice God has given us certain talents, abilities, and personal gifts that shape us. Remember, though, these gifts are not just for you. They are for the benefit of other people. God has given you a special role in this world. He wants you to make a contribution with your life. If you don't use your gifts, your talents, you're going to lose your passion. God didn't give you these gifts to sit on and do nothing with. God wants you to use them. We all have these gifts. Well, like I said, we've all been filled with the Spirit. It's not a gift just solely for us. We have to share with others. If I hadn't gone round to Mark's, I would never have known God. And it's all right, people, when they say, well, you may, may have done a bit later, okay? So why didn't I before? Why didn't I before? That's the truth. That is the truth. I had 40, was it 40 years before, beforehand, before I met Mark? So why didn't I go at any time for weddings, funerals, christenings? An unconfessed sin. That's a big one. For few things, robbers of joy, they rob your confidence, your passion, more quickly than guilt. And here's how it works. With us, we get the sin in our lives. We don't walk around thinking, I have a sin in my life. I am a guilty person. And we rationalize it. Consciously. Consciously we think it's okay. Everyone's doing it. It's no big deal. But, but subconsciously, it gnaws at us. Whenever it gets quiet, the guilt pops up into your head. Right now, as I'm talking about it, it begins to pop into your minds. And here's the truth. As human beings, we cannot feel enthusiasm with guilt at the same time. You can't feel guilt and passion at the same time. Because guilt, by its very definition, robs you of passion. In Psalms 38, 4 and 6, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down, and I am brought low. A lot of you work on computers. Not me. Amen. Sometimes they crash. They stop working. Some program tries to write the wrong things to the wrong place, and it's gone. Guilt does that to us as human beings. We're not made to live with guilt. God did not make you to carry guilt around in your life. He made us to deal with it immediately. Immediately. He sent Jesus to earth to die on the cross. I want to offer you a gift, freedom from guilt. That is God's gift. Some of us right now, you're in the midst of a personal system crash. Truth of the matter is, the joy in your life has crashed. You're trying to keep the enthusiasm up. You're trying to keep the passion alive, but the guilt keeps crashing your system. Fortunately, this is a problem that can be remedied quickly. 
you can do something about it right now. Because Jesus has already done all that's needed to be done to deal with our guilt. That's why he came to earth. In John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he, God, can be trusted to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do it now, don't wait. Sometimes we carry guilt around for weeks, for months, days. You shouldn't carry guilt around even one hour. The minute that you realize that the red warning lights is flashing saying, do something about it, not carry it. So in your mind right now, in your heart, take it to God. An unresolved conflict. The Bible tells us not to have any conflict at all. It will try not to. Conflict just drains the passion right out of you. Do you ever start a day and it's going to be a great day? You know it. You fly out of bed, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. You're ready. You're ready for work. And on the way out the door, you have a fight with your husband, with your wife. All the energy goes out of you, your, your step. It's like the air going out of a tyre when the conflict comes. And that's what conflict does to us. It takes all the passion out of our lives. Your attitude all of a sudden just becomes flat. Let's be honest about this, some of us. You're in situations at home, at work, where the conflict is constant. Maybe you're even doing all, all that you can to minimize that conflict. It's coming from the other person. So how do you keep your passion in a situation like that? You decide to protect yourself from killing the emotions that come into our lives in conflict. You cannot control the other person always. You can control the kind of emotions you have Amen. in the midst of the conflict. The, th the three emotions that kill our passion in the midst of conflict resentment, jealousy, and prolonged anger. In Job 5.2, resentment destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. They are passion-killing emotions. In Job 18.4, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. It only hurts you. You make the decision when it comes to resentment and jealousy and prolonged anger to let it go. And that is why forgiveness is so important. God, who knows us, who made us, created us, knows that we can't carry resentment. So he says here's a way to let it go. Even logically, we know that the resentment that we have in our lives it's not hurting the person we're resentful against. They don't even know you're resentful. It's hurting us. You and me. The anger, it's hurting us. If you want that passion to be restored in your heart, in your life, you have to forgive. And some of us, that's hard. You have to let it go there. Some of you are thinking right now, we let them off the hook. So how can I do that? 
I'm not telling you to let them off the hook. I'm telling you, put them on, on God's hook. Let them off the hook. Just put them in God's hands. God, I can't handle this. You can. I forgive them. Leave it to you. If you don't, then unforgiveness is going to kill the passion in your life for the rest of your life. If you do not, then the resentment that you have for that person, that resentment is controlling your passion. And by that, it's controlling your life. It's holding you back. You do not want them to control your life. So you forgive, let it go. And that's how you resolve the conflict in your heart. And what about unsupported lifestyles? Sometimes you lose the passion for God because you're not spending time around other people who have a passion for God. A lot of us, yeah, more and more people now are coming to Bible study, which is brilliant, and ringing one another up to see how they are. Just a simple hello. And well done on the, for a Wednesday. Especially Leslie, again, I'm right from the heart again. And that's what brought her to tears. I know she won't mind me saying that. You're not spending time around other Christians. You're not getting any fellowship. I love this inc incredible practical verse in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10. Just common sense from the Bible. Two are better than one. Because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. We need each other. We all fall sometimes. We all stumble sometimes. So we all need people to help us up in our lives. This is why we have to be a small group of our fellowship. We have to meet. It's so important. Those of you who have thought many times, maybe I should do that. Maybe this is the day when you realize I'm going to do that. Do not wait till the crisis comes to think, now I need some friends. Now I need some fellowship. I need other people in my life. You're not going to have time to get in a group then. We all fall sometimes. We all go through crises in life. So you find a group, our fellowship group, the support system, life, so that you can keep the passion alive, even during the difficult times. It's not only for the difficult times, though. It's also for the good times that we share. Human beings were made for relationships. We're made to live that way. Think about it. In a prison, when you want to give somebody the ultimate punishment, where do they, where do they put them? They put them in solitary. Solitary confinement. Because we were made to be around other people. And that's how God created us. Whether you're married or single, you need relationships with others. Others who are trying to live the passion for God in their lives. To keep that passion for God real in life. Having been a Christian for a while now. I've seen a lot of people continue with their passion for God 
And a lot of people lose their passion for God. Those that lose their passion for God, there's a predictable pattern. You can see it the same way almost every single time. And I'll tell you where this pattern begins. The first thing that happens in the is the person, he stops coming, they stop coming to church. I'm not talking about the ritual of coming to church. I'm talking about they draw back from the relationships of being around other believers. There's a lot of reasons we tell ourselves that's okay. In the summer, oh, I'll, watch it down, I'll watch it on the internet. I've got other things to do. I'll get back to it soon. But for whatever reason, you, you start not spending time with other people who have a desire to have a passion for God. The next thing that always happens is your heart starts to turn cold. You start to feel far from God. You start to feel like God is far from you. What, what you really need is to be around other people who can warm up the love that you have for God in your life. It is a need in all of us to be around other people, to have this passion for God. If you have no inspiring contact with other believers, your heart will go cold. It's inevitable. At times I am weak, and I will admit it, I, need, I do need relationships with other people, with other believers to grow. For better or for worse, the only reason I've grown as a believer is because I've been around other people who are growing as believers. It's up to us. We can stop. We can start wherever we want. But we have to continue. In Hebrews 10, 24-25, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together. Let us encourage one another. This is the Bible speaking to us. Our love letter from God. If we've got any compassion for one another, we will start to do these things. An unclear purpose. When you forget the purpose of your life, that is a sure way to kill your passion for God and for life. If you don't know the purpose of life, then why bother? Why get up in the morning and why put the effort in to get out of bed? Life without purpose is activity without direction. It's motion without meaning. Life without purpose is trivial. It's pointless. We talk about it all the time, but even still, it's easy to forget why we are here on earth. We get distracted by budgets, bills, babies, and sport on the TV, all kinds of other things. But we, and then we forget the reasons why God put us here on earth. When you forget why God put you on earth, you're going to drift towards apathy and lethargy. Who cares? Why get out of bed if there's no meaning? There's no purpose in my life. Maybe you felt like Isaiah, who said in Isaiah 49, 
I've laboured to no purpose, and I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Passion and purpose, they go together. When you have a clear purpose, it's going to give you a lot of passion. But it's, not, but it's got to be God's purpose for your life. If you're only living for yourself, then that is going to, that's not going to make you very passionate. In fact, it's useless. I'm living for me. Well, that's going to give you a lot of energy to get out of bed in the morning. You need a cause greater than yourself that gives life significance and gives life meaning. The more you understand God's purpose for your life and the more you live those purposes, the more passionate you're going to be. Passion is waking up in the morning, wherever you are, bounding out of bed because you know there's something out there that you love to do, that you believe in. That God made you, what God made you for, and you're good at it. Something that's bigger than you are, and you can hardly wait to let it start again. It's something that you'd rather be doing than anything else. You wouldn't give it up for money. Because it means more to you than the money. Nothing matters more than, than knowing and living for what God put you on earth to fulfill. Nothing else can compensate for not living those, not fame, not wealth, not success, not pleasure. Nothing can compensate for life without meaning. So whenever you, your purpose gets unclear, you tend to forget why you're here. The first place you're going to lose. First thing you're going to lose is your passion. An unnourished spirit will kill your passion. Every day we face all kinds of circumstances that conspire to shrink your spirit and shrivel your heart. When we get up in the mornings, you're going to have distractions. You're going to have disappointments, conflicts, and you're going to have changes and challenges. You're going to have problems and pressures. You're going to have frustrations, fears and failures. But, you know, all these, they all grow us as well when we will overcome them. All of these things fall in on you to shrivel your heart and to shrink your spirit. So you must intentionally nourish your spirit. And if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to nourish your spirit. So if you don't take the time and the trouble to do it, it's going to shrivel up. So how do we do this? We need times of worship with God every day where you get to know him. Private worships. You need fellowship with other believers. You need to read God's word and grow to more like Christ. You need to have a ministry where you're using your talents to help other people. You need a mission in the world where you're sharing your faith. If you just chose one of those purposes and forget the others, you're going to be imbalanced. You're going to lose your passion. You need them all. 
How do we plug into God? How do we have a live? How sorry? How do I have this living, the virtual daily relationship with God that keeps my spirit nourished? The starting point is to remember how God feels about you. You know it, but you forget it. You know that God is hopelessly in love with you. And the reason that you're not passionate about God is you've forgotten how passionate God is about you. Exodus 31:14. You must worship only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Did you know that God is passionate about you? He made you to love you. You were created as an object of his love. The more you, you, the more you understand how God is passionate about you, the more passionate you're going to be about God. When you forget how much God loves you, forget, you say, forget it. I've got other things to do. There's a good movie on the TV. There's something on the TV I need to watch. How do we know that God's passionate about us? The proof is the cross. Jesus stretched out his hands and then nailed him to the cross. He was in essence saying, I'd rather die than live without you. That's how passionate I am about my creation. I made you, I love you. I'd rather die. The Bible says in Psalm 107.33, Whoever is wise will remember these things, and I will think about the deep love of the Lord. So let's do that. So how are you in your passion for God today? Are you hot or are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? Are you just going through the motions? Or are you red hot for God because he loves you? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than that you are right now? If so, why? Nobody is holding us back. The truth is, you're as close to God as you choose to be. You can have as much of God as you want. You can be as passionate about God as you want. And if you're not, it's your fault. You can't keep blaming the devil. The devil's doing this to me and for me. It's your, down to you. Amen. It's down to us. Amen. I heard Matt this morning, and he was talking about, does anyone need prayer? It's the same with your testimonies. If we haven't got, sorry, Math was saying everybody needs prayer. He's right. Okay. So, and the same can be said for, to me, I may be wrong, about your testimonies. If we haven't got a new testimony to share with one another each week, what, what actually are we doing? Even if you've been out for people, you're speaking to them about God, and coming to church, they don't show. Okay? I had three people coming today. None of them have shown. But they haven't rejected me. They've rejected God. 
nothing to do with me. I've done all I can. Yeah? So each week when we come, we should have a new testimony. I've spoke to so and so, but not right now, but, but it should be there every week for us. In January, we are starting our Truth Revealed, as we know. In January, first week in January. So when are we going to start inviting people to come? Act, act today. After church, or through the weeks. Start talking to people. Getting them involved. Getting them to come to church. Amen. Seeing what the church is all about. Amen. Then your passion for... When I, I spoke to Mark in the week, because I'd spoken to a guy, and he was really, really up for coming to church and everything this morning, and the excitement that was in me, it felt just like when that, we were first filled with that spirit, because you were you're passionate there for God. But then afterwards, when they don't come, you do feel let down. Amen. But it's not, it's not me. They're, they're rejecting, as I've said. It's God. So I encourage all of us to start inviting people to this Truth Revealed course in January. And let's make things happen for our church. Let's show your passion for God from today. Every morning when you wake and before you go to bed. Thank you for listening.